Well, as Rob mentioned, we're going to be talking about discipleship, and this, this is one of the things that we care most about as a preaching staff, helping others um, understand what Christ did for us and what it's like to follow Jesus, and, and how can we help our church family follow Jesus. And um, so it was important to us as we step into this series of talking about discipleship that, that you hear from all three of us, or all two of us. Um, <laughs> That because we are in many ways, well, in, yeah, in so many ways, we are three different people with three different personalities and different uh, collections of strengths and weaknesses, but, but we really want to, to share this as this is one message. We care about <clears throat> discipleship. We care about following Jesus, and we want to help our, fam- our church family follow Jesus. And that comes across in different ways through our different uh, uh, personalities, but it's, it's one, uh, one same message. Yes. Um, so that's, that's why we're, we're doing it uh, this morning with a little different format. Um, we, uh, as a pastoral staff, we got together for a retreat, and this is probably, might go back three years yeah. ago, where it was just, it was kind of a, um, a we really, um, met the Lord in just a unique way at that retreat and felt led by the Spirit uh, to be leading our congregation in a more specific way into uh, this, this focus of living a life of love. To If we're responding to Jesus, who demonstrates love, who personifies love, if we're responding to him, then, then we really want to get focused on what is it to live a life of love. So you've heard us talk about that a lot over the past few years, and, and that continues to be something that, that we want to be focusing on as we talk about what it is to follow Jesus. It is living a life of love. If we look at Jesus and we say, Jesus is king, and, and we want as a people um, to submit to, to give our allegiance to that, to our king. Um, we think about the reality that we are his people, we are his um, kingdom uh, who exists for his purposes, for his glory. And, and we believe that we are called to like I mentioned before, we are called to live a life of love, and that plays out in we love Jesus, we love his people, and we pour out his love on the world. So when we're talking about discipleship, discipleship is following Jesus. It is this loving Jesus, loving his people, and pouring his love on the world. So the question we want to ask this morning is, how, how are we doing at that? What does it look like to be walking along that path of following Jesus? So where we want to start is in Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. I just want to make a, a few comments on, about that as we kind of ground ourselves in that scripture this morning. Colossians 2, verses 6 through 7. It says, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So Christ Jesus as Lord, these, the, the people that Paul is writing to, they had received Christ Jesus as Lord. That is, they had acknowledged him as Lord. Um, Christ as Lord as opposed to Caesar as Lord or as opposed to self as Lord. They had acknowledged Christ as Lord. 
So as they receive and acknowledge Christ as Lord, Paul encourages them to live in him. This implies submission to him. It's allegiance to him, which brings joy in him and peace in him. Um, so continue to live in him, following him. That is, that is the message Paul is pressing. Then he says, uh, you do this rooted and built up. So rooted, that has this once-for-all feel, that, that it's done. And, and so we are to live out what is true, what Jesus has already done. He has brought us from spiritual death to spiritual life. We are rooted in him. So our salvation is rooted in the work of Christ, and he's never going to let us go. Built up, then, if we're rooted and built up, built up has more of an ongoing feel to it. So you are his work, and he is still working on us. We are works in progress. So we're rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith that we were taught. So the faith that we were taught, that's the body of truth taught to the disciples that we have now revealed in inspired scripture. So through this strength of Scripture, through this, we are, through this truth, we are strengthened. So then we respond by overflowing with thankfulness. So why do we overflow with thankfulness? When we set our eyes on Jesus, we recognize his character and his work, then our response is we, we overflow with thankfulness. God is drawing, God is working, and we are following. So this process of discipleship, it's, it's about what God is doing, and it's about what we are doing. He is drawing, he is working, and we are following and <clears throat> responding. So I want to, uh, before Rob and I interact about this a little bit, I want to mention two, um, two characteristics for healthy discipleship. And the first is, in healthy discipleship, um, growth is involved. Okay, growth is natural. When you think about the plants you see outside, when you think about our bodies, growth is natural, right? So think about this picture we're going to show up here in a minute um, and see if you can figure out what, who this picture is. Um, this, so this is a fine-looking young man. And I don't know my if you wife see... has been collaborating with somebody this week. That's my guess. I don't know if you see any wonderful resemblance, but, but so picture the Rob that you see before you, this deep voice, this wealth of experience and, and seasoned wisdom. Picture that. What if we saw that inside that young man? Okay, that would be strange, right? It would be strange if that young man was, was sitting with me right now with this wisdom. Um, so that, that wouldn't be natural. That would be, that, that would be strange. That's, growth is natural. We, we grow. That, it's, um, that's what we see in the world. Uh, show the next picture. Um, this, would have, this is our other friend who would have been up here with us. Um, that we'll see in a moment. There you go. So that is David Henderson. Again, he doesn't look like that anymore. Why? Because he's growing. And, and we laugh about this, and it's right, because you know growth is natural. But if we think about our spiritual life, is, is Rob's spiritual life right now as different 
from the age he is now and the age he was in, then, is it as different as how he looks in those two pictures you saw? Um, that, that's what I want to challenge us with. Our spiritual growth, um, growth needs to be happening. Growth is natural in us. Um, so we want to always be pressing each other further and further along in our growth. The second thing about uh, spiritual growth is um, it's messy. When you think about uh, you, when you had children and your children were learning to drink, they used a sippy cup. And they used a sippy cup because if they didn't have that special lid, they'd spill it all over themselves. Um, so, but at some point, we all right now, we don't use sippy cups anymore, right? Because at some point we move from a sippy cup to a cup without a lid. And inevitably what happens in that transition is somewhere along the way, a mess is made. Um, and that is us in our spiritual lives. We, spiritual growth is messy. We could keep our kids in sippy cups all their life and they would never spill to the extent that they would if they move on. But, but growth is, is moving on and it's messy. So what are ways yeah, that you want to interact? I, I love that illustration because um, you know, we can see physical growth, we can see spiritual growth, and the two really do have some nice parallels to them. Um, not only is it messy, Brentley, but I also think that there's a, um, there's a, a, a growth that takes place. So the, the child using the sippy cup is very dependent upon parents or upon a guardian or someone, right? I mean, what he wears, what he drinks, what he eats, it's all decided for him. Then that child gets a little bit older, and they choose, I want that shirt over this shirt, you know, and then they get a little older and they, they begin to show more independence. But the reality is, I mean, our, our culture says that we ought to become from dependent to independent, but the scriptures teach that we were never truly independent, that we really ought to be growing into interdependence. Because, I mean, I, I need help. I need a plumber. I need a doctor. I need people to assist me. Spiritually, it's the same way. And so that, that physical, the physical illustration of growth, I think, is beautiful. Yeah, it's messy, and yeah, it's a picture of our growth from a dependent state upon other people helping mm -hmm. us out to an interdependent state where we are receiving from some and helping others as well. So I think it's a beautiful picture. It's helpful for me. And it, you know, it, what I want to just remind us is when we think about how growth is messy, well, one, when we think about growth is necessary, let's keep pressing each other to continual growth. And, and the reality is, as we do that, even that is messy because I'm going to press Rob in ways that might be offensive or might cross lines. And, and okay, so I'm going to learn to be more compassionate. And so let's figure out together how we press each other towards growth and let's realize it's going to be messy along the way. And, and let's realize that all of us have messiness, that you might look at someone's life, whether it's someone who is leading up here or someone that you're interacting with, and you may assume that because of the way they're presented, they, their, their growth probably isn't very messy, and, and that would be wrong. Let's just own that we're all messy despite what it might look like on the outside. We're, we're all messy as we stumble along in our spiritual growth. And we give grace to the messiness. Yes, yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know, really, there's, there's four things that are needed for growth, right? There are four things that we each need to have in order to grow in faith. One is an authentic relationship with the living Christ. You don't have that, you don't have the starting point. The second is a vision of what uh, receiving God's life and entering his kingdom actually means. A third is the intention to pursue that, and a fourth is the means to do it, the lessons, the experiences, the people along the way. So we need that authentic relationship with Christ. We need a vision of what that means, life in the kingdom. We need the intention that says, you know, 
That's what, that treasure is worth me cashing everything in to go after and to get. And then we need the means that helps us to, to actually embrace, live, and grow in that. Now, for the last 50-plus years or so, Covenant as a church has been focused on providing the means for discipleship, the classes, the experiences, the people, this type of thing. But what would happen if we shifted that emphasis just a little bit? What would happen if we began to focus on presenting a vision of the kingdom of God, of life in that kingdom, of life with Christ, um, and, and began to encourage an environment where people are freed up to pursue their intention to embrace this life? What happens if we were to shift the emphasis from uh, checking off a checklist of things that we've got to do to simply allowing Christ's life to flow through us as we live out our lives in the world? I wonder what would happen. Would we be aligning ourselves more fully with the early church at that point? Would it be an opportunity that we would see more and more people saying that they would eagerly put aside all the wonderful distractions that we have in our current culture as we begin to spur one another on to follow Jesus well, to learn how to be his as we share his gospel with others? I think that's probably where this is going to go. Because Covenant's discipleship process uh, can kind of be seen right now on, a, on a, um, a spectrum. On one side, it is very structured and very guided. And then you follow the spectrum along all the way to the other side, where it is very uh, spirit-led and organic. On the structured and guided side, there we have thrive. How do you thrive in Christ? What's the vision of the kingdom we're shooting for? What is it that we're after? How do we intend to pursue that together? And then as you move along the spectrum, you learn how to listen to Jesus a little bit more. You learn how to trust his spirit in guiding us into what it is that we actually need. What are the, the means we need for, uh, for growth? What are the experiences? And who are the people, the spiritual friends who will be with us on the way? These spiritual friends are important for us. Spiritual friends of Scripture does teach us that, that life change happens best in the context of Christ-centered relationships. And so we want to be encouraging, we each find spiritual friends, groups of two, maybe up to 12 or so, that are working together, desiring to help one another learn what it means to live under Jesus as King with his authority, learning how to follow him better. And so these spiritual friends get together and say, well, what, what, what are we supposed to do as we're together? Well, there's all kinds of things in our culture, right? Well, what's the best of the best that's out there? Currently, uh, pastoral staff is working to develop a list of the best of the best material that is available to us out in this amazing culture that we have around us, all these things that you can get online and uh, everywhere. You know, so what is the best of the best? And then the idea is, rather than covenant, offering regularly five or six classes and you could choose from that something that would generally might impact you in some way. Rather than that, let's look for ways that we can listen to the Holy Spirit and find something that is very specifically geared toward what God wants to do in your heart and your life. Not just you alone, but you with your spiritual friends. So there's this list that we want to develop that can help guide us, but then how do we know what we choose from the list? Well, we also are developing a spiritual assessment tool that I think can help us in two ways. First of all, it guides us in gauging how we are growing spiritually. So we can learn about where we've grown in the past year. We want to take this regularly, not as a congregation, but individually with our friends. How are we growing individually? Where have we grown? Where are we might be stagnating? 
where we might be slipping backwards a little bit. And as we begin to assess our spiritual life, we begin to just review ourselves, the self-reflective life, uh, I know the Holy Spirit can use those things we're thinking about to guide us to those experiences, those lessons, those people who can help us grow. Now, it's interesting because we're all in different places in our walk with Christ. Uh, one size does not fit all when it comes to, to discipleship. And, and so every one of us needs something a little bit different along the way. And every one of us kind of sometimes feels like we're in a cycle, right? We're spinning around. We're going through. And he's like, oh, man, we're learning about patience. We're learning about fear. We're learning about what it means to love other people. And as we go along, we go, oh, there it is again. I thought I learned this 20 years ago. You know, we feel like it's just this cycle. We're getting nowhere. But if you think about it, if you take that, that circle, that, that cycle we think about, and turn it on its side like this, you begin to look at it this way, you realize it's not a circle at all. It's more of a helix. It's more of a corkscrew. And so as we're going along, we keep bumping into this thing that we're trying to grow on, and we think, oh, I'm just not changing. But in reality, every time we run into it, we, we, we revisit the topic, we're different. We've grown. We've changed. And as we are here, there's somebody who's already experienced what we've experienced who can help us along the way, and we're at a place where we can help somebody else, and that's the way God designed it. And so as we're looking at this, we, we have the authentic relationship with Christ, a vision for what it means to live in Christ, the intention to pursue it, and then the means. If we can pull together some of this vision and make that intention ourselves, the means are out there. It's not up to the church to provide everything we need at this point because look at what the Internet's done. Look at what we've done. I get so many comments. What can I study? What can I look at? Let's let the Holy Spirit lead us in that. I think it's an exciting time for us. Yeah, I'm uh, fascinated when you talk about spiritual friends, or we, sometimes we use the term uh, Christ-centered relationships. And um, this, when I think about spiritual growth, a lot of times my default is I go to, um, I'm going to grow spiritually when um, my spiritual growth is going to happen in my personal devotion time with the Lord. Uh, that's going to spur on my growth. And that's true, and um, that is going to be even more the case if I am in Christ-centered relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ who are spurring me on. Um, and it's also true, there, there are many who uh, I interact with, and they have all of these great relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ, um, yet they don't have much of a personal devotion life at all. And so we, both of those things are true in our path of, of growing as followers of Christ. We, um, in my personal devotional life, I need to bring that out and allow brothers and sisters in Christ to spur me on. As I am interacting with my brothers and sisters in Christ, I want to be pressing them forward in what goes on in their personal devotional life. So both of those things are coming together uh, as part of our spiritual growth. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing because, you know, we're all, we all have different personality traits, right? I mean, introverts like me would much mm -hmm. rather just be by myself in an ivory tower somewhere studying the scriptures deeply. But I gain so much from being with other people. And extroverts like my wife would much rather be with other people. <laughs> but she can gain so much in her time in the Word. And so we encourage each other along the way. And it really is a beautiful thing. Um, David talks about uh, friction virtues. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. how do you learn patience? How do you learn to love? How do you learn patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness? It's by being with a person who tries your patience. You know? <laughs> like, and, so, and so that's part of living in community in the messiness that Brentley was talking about. It's an exciting thing. The, the next thing we want to talk about briefly is when we think about the goal of discipleship, that if discipleship is following Jesus, uh, if following Jesus is living a life of love, I want to just reference two verses uh, that point to that. 
Uh, 1 Corinthians 8.1 says this, uh, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. So it's love that builds up. And then in uh, 1 Corinthians 13.1, Paul writes, if I speak the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but, uh, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So this idea, receiving love and displaying love, this is the aim of discipleship, of living a life of love, of following after Jesus. Because we're always spiritually formed, right? Something is always shaping us on the inside. The question is not whether or not we're being spiritually formed, but who is spiritually forming us. And our goal as followers of Christ is to allow the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ himself, to be the one to spiritually form us. And uh, as, as we, uh, oh, I just totally lost my thought. Ha! <laughs> You're going to talk to us about, there's more, more verses that talk about uh, love, yes. this theme that's that keeps where I'm coming going. out. Yeah. <laughs> this is David's part. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, our growth, so, so I, my spiritual growth is not for me. Yeah, it makes me feel good. Yeah, it takes away the fear. Yeah, it does those things for me. But spiritual formation is always for the sake of others and the glory of God, and we keep that in mind. Listen to these passages, not, not the passages, but just little snippets of each passage here and how it just washes over us, okay? This is from Ephesians through all kinds of passages in the New Testament. Live a life of love. Follow the way of love. Do everything in love. Clothe yourselves with love. Excel in love. Continue in love. Pursue love. Walk in love. Now, we're going back to that retreat that was three or four years ago. I mean, we just were sitting there going, but this is so basic. But yet, boy, if we can get our mind and our arms around this. So we began looking at Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 as be kind of like the, the passage that we are looking at for a church to be like the, the, the central passage. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in, a, in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I mean, just think about that passage. I was talking to some friends between services, and they were saying, boy, isn't it great just to take a passage and just sit with it for a little bit and let it speak to us? So we got these passages on love, desiring love. How would that then look? Yeah, you know, then um, this is where it, it's so important to us that it's not... Um, this, this path, this process of discipleship, it's not something that we want you to, to memorize and follow because, you're, you know, because you trust us as leaders as you're, you're, or you're just wanting to follow what the church says. But we're wanting you to follow Jesus, to walk down this path. This is what it looks like practically for us to follow Jesus. And, and we want to get as practical as possible in order to help our church family see this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. So, so we talk about our calling, and that's our, the first layer of getting practical to what it looks like to follow Jesus. Go for it. You can share that. <laughs> I want to add something to what you just oh, said. Oh, yeah, yeah. See, the thing is, is that um, we live in a culture where we're checking, you know, checking boxes off. 
And we don't want this to be something that is a task we have to do. This becomes a value we want to live. This is something that's part of who we are. And so the three things we talked about, of course, is love Jesus, love, love his people, and uh, pour out his love on the world. And so we love Jesus. Uh, Ephesians 6, 2 through 4, or two, uh, sorry, 6, 24. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. To love his people, just as I have loved you, you should love one another. This is Jesus in John 13. Phenomenal statement. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And you know, it's our unity and it's our love that, that shows the world that Jesus is who he said he is. It's that important. And finally, pour out his love on the world. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing right, James 2.8. These are just some of the scriptures that tell us that this is the way that we want to be able to live out this calling to love as a value to express, not as a task that needs to be done. So as we are expressing that value, as we're committed to that direction, then it, to, to drill down even another level, layer deeper, what does it look like to love Jesus? And, and we think of some expressions of loving Jesus are worshiping daily and worshiping weekly. When I think about worshiping daily, that is these daily devotions that I was talking to, spending time listening to God in his word. Um, but it's just not that moment of daily devotion, but it's then the rest of your day of worship that is the rest of your response in that day to the Lord. That's, that's worshiping daily. And, and worshiping weekly is another expression of loving Jesus. And, and that is this right here, getting together with a body of believers and listening to the teaching of God's word and lifting up praises to God. That is worshiping weekly. So those are expressions of loving Jesus as, as well as studying his scripture, not, not just listening to his words, but then doing some work to try to understand what these words mean and how they apply to my life. So then if we go to the next area that is loving uh, his people, I think of ways that we can express that very practically. That can be through um, uh, investing in Christ-centered relationships. Um, we are uh, we're always going to grow more as followers of Christ when we're doing it in the context of Christ-centered relationships. Uh, the way I think through Christ-centered relationships is it's a relationship in which I see, know, accept, care for, and enjoy one another with the glory of God in view. So God is in view. His best is in view. His perspective of that person is what I have in view as I see, know, accept, care for, and enjoy them. Um, so in loving uh, God's people, we want to invest in Christ-centered relationships, and, and we want to also use our gifts to serve one another. We're going to unpack this uh, and, and a lot of these things more in the coming weeks, but, but for now, just the encouragement that um, there are so many ways that we as a church family can serve one another, and I encourage you to be thinking about uh, stepping into just some practical ways that we can serve one another, and that is loving God's people. Then that third area of pouring out his love on the world, the, the ways that we can express that is we do that through loving our literal neighbor, um, showing love to those people who live near us. And, and it's also loving uh, the, uh, our coworkers or the people on our daily route. It's how can we practically be showing and uh, sharing 
Jesus' love with them. And, and then the, lastly uh, that I'll say about expressing this pouring that God's love on the world would be making a difference in the world, whether that's um, supporting some of the local ministries that Covenant is partnered with or supporting some of the global ministries that Covenant is partnered with, whether that happens through finances uh, or through actually giving some of your time, that is a way that we can be pouring uh, God's love on the world. This stuff is not new. It's what the church has been doing from the very first day. As we seek to let Jesus do what he does best, to live his life through us. That's what we've received. We've received a new life, right? Let's go back to that passage in Colossians 2, 6 through 7. Paul says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. I mean, that phrase right there says so much. Continue to live your lives in him. Keep doing this thing. Keep doing this thing. Rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Jesus is leading. Jesus is working. Our task is just to keep up with him, just to keep it up, to keep working with him, to let his life flow through us. Uh, we are very open. Go ahead. Yeah, and by, and by keep it up, it's that keeping our eyes on him. Because remember, as we keep our eyes on him, that's what's going to fill us up to be able to follow after him. And we need to do that together because we need each other. So we're looking to him and we're helping others, each other, look to him. And we're following along because we're absolutely convinced that he is king and that life is worth living for him. And that there's no better way to live life. It's the way that we were designed and made to live for him. Him, to run after him. So that's what we want to teach and demonstrate and help our church family with is following after Jesus. I love it when you get excited. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, questions, thoughts, suggestions and stuff, please just give us a call, uh, stop by, send us an email. We'd love to continue this conversation with you. But for now, let's close in prayer. Lord, it just seems so crazy simple and we try to make it so complex. Think of Richard Halverson, who said, <laughs> the complex is just complex, but the simple is profound. So, Lord, help us to, um, to find the profundity in what you've given. Help us to sink more deeply into this call to love. Help us to understand how you are at work right now, that, that we are responsible to live out our life in Christ, to continue to live in you Show us the people you brought around us, Lord. Reveal the means, the things that you are already bringing to us to help us grow. That we might understand a vision of this new life we have in Christ. That we might intend to set our hearts and our minds on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And that we might live out what you've called us to be and to do. We're yours, Lord. We thank you in your name. Amen. Amen.